Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. fellow falcoholics what is up welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast, I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by a very special guest today. He is a good friend of mine and the managing editor over at the Vikings Wire, Tyler Fornis at The Real Forno. Tyler, how you doing? Life is good. Um, just uh, getting uh, prepared for the draft. I've got a, a bunch of fun stuff coming in the pipeline. I'm doing a deep dive on Quasi Dopo Mensa right now to try and figure out some predictive traits of his and... I know uh, with you guys having just uh, moved on from Thomas Dimitrov a couple of years ago, trying to figure out your new GM has been a challenge, and I'm going through the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, like with Dimitrov, it was sort of like, oh, I think I've started to get the hang of this, but especially with him and Dan Quinn, they definitely had their types. But then when a new guy comes in, it's like, well, I can just throw all that out the window. Now we have no idea. But what is it? Is this going to be the second draft with uh, Kwesi over there with the Vikings? Yeah, he took the job in January of 2022, and we have some things we can go off of, but when you're using a scouting staff that isn't your own and you're trying to you know, implement all of your systems, you can't get that done in three months. You just can't. So I'm excited to see how this continues to grow and evolve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a fun time for the Vikings. Uh, I know you guys are... are uh dealing with your own issues. The Falcons, of course, dealing with a number of their own issues. Uh, But we'll start off the show with something that seems like a positive for Atlanta, getting former number three overall pick Jeffrey Okuda from the Lions uh, for just a fifth round pick, which to me seems like a a bargain. I know Okuda's dealt with some injuries, but um, definitely a guy I loved coming out of the draft just a few years ago, finally was able to stay healthy last year. I know you've seen him a handful of times since you guys play the Lions, uh, what, twice a year at least? <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, what, do you, what do you think about Jeff Okuda? Do you think the Falcons maybe uh, got something here, especially for the fifth-round pick, or are you a little bit more skeptical of his value going forward? I think it's a great move for the Falcons for a fifth-round pick because he was a top-three pick in the draft, and a like the entire industry was very high on Okuda, and his film at Ohio State really exemplified that. Now, when you talk about what he's going to be moving forward. 
it's a real question mark, right? He's been injured, but through the first half of last year, he was very good. Um, he's probably best in zone coverage rather than uh, straight man-to-man. But when you have A.J. Terrell on one side, you're going to be drawing like the second guy. So it's going to be a lot easier to call it for Okuda. And at only $5.1 million and a fifth-round pick, this is a great like dart throw because if he hits, it's phenomenal. Then all of a sudden, you have a secondary with A.J. Terrell, a really good Jeff Okuda, and Jesse Bates. You're, you're locked and loaded, ready to go, and you feel really comfortable with your back end. Now, if it doesn't work out, you spend $5.1 million and a fifth-round pick on a really smart, calculated dart throw. If it doesn't work, you just wipe your hands of it and move on. But this is a fantastic, fantastic move for the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the cost is so low. And it's one of those things, right, when you finally have money, you're able to do things like this by – taking expensive players off of other teams' hands for low compensation. So it's certainly nice to have some cap space for a change here in Atlanta to be able to make some moves like this. Um, and the Falcons also, you know, signed Mike Hughes. So that's two members of the Lions secondary last year that uh, was very, very bad uh, as a whole. So clearly uh, Atlanta must think that they were doing something wrong if they're actually going after pieces from this Lions secondary, um, which I had trouble understanding how that defense was so bad considering – the the front that was in front of them but uh you know i guess i guess we're gonna find out uh very soon if it was uh who was the actual issue on that uh defense because it's gonna look completely different there in detroit and the falcons are gonna have a couple of those guys so uh interesting interesting times (laughs) um yeah well let's move on to falcons draft stuff um, which I know is your expertise. I, you've been grinding the film. I, I saw you at the Senior Bowl. We talked about a lot of players. But uh, on this show, we've already talked about a lot of the the, the major names uh, that are linked to the Falcons at this point. Guys mm-hmm. like Tyree Wilson at edge, uh, Bijan Robinson even at running back, the corners, although maybe that's slightly less likely now with the Akuda pickup. Um, I know you're also a big fan of Quentin Johnston, and we haven't really talked about him at all on this show. Um, I don't know if you're like a fan of the Falcons targeting him at eight necessarily. That might be a little early. I don't know uh, exactly how you feel about that. But yeah, t- talk to me about uh, Quentin Johnston because I know you're a big fan of his. And if they were going to take a wide receiver early, I feel like it would probably be him because he sort of fits the, the Arthur Smith archetype of size and physicality. Mm-hmm. So. so here's the thing with Johnston. And I think it's the DK Metcalf conundrum. And, I, and the the Falcons kind of proved this when they took Drake London at eighth overall last year. It's not about what you can't do. What can you do? And London was so good at what he could do. It kind of made up a little bit for what he couldn't do. He's not a burner. He's not going to uh, be phenomenal after the catch as far as running in open space. But he's a big box out guy. He's going to give you a huge target. And he's going to be able to win a lot of those contested catches because of how he plays the game. And those elements from an X receiver are really nice. Now, it's it it's kind of similar with Johnston. I relate him to DK Metcalf. He is not DK Metcalf. They play a different style of football. But one thing that you can extrapolate from both of them is they're both great at down the field. They can both high point and win contested catches. Now, People will look at, oh, he only caught 8 of 24 contested catches. It's a little overblown. Um, Max Duggan was really, really bad last year. (laughs) Five of those incompletions were drawn pass interference penalties. Uh, Eight of those uh, attempts 
were slants, hitches, and crossing routes, which and I'm talking shallow crossers like mesh. Yeah, and yeah. those those contested catches are much easier for a cornerback to get in on. And when you look at all of those elements, he's really not as bad as you think. There were multiple like just awfully thrown balls. There were two of them that were just thrown completely out of bounds. And Johnson leaped and made a great catch, but the ball was thrown so far out that he had no chance to get his foot down. So it has to be contextualized, and I talk about this a lot. I don't care what the stat is. If you don't contextualize it fairly or properly, the stat's worthless. Like, you say, like Josh Allen had, what, 47% completion percentage one year at Wyoming. Now he's a top-five quarterback in football. You have to contextualize the why. The why is way more important because it tells you, can this get better? Like, why did it happen? And all those elements make such a big impact. A running back can have a 1,000 yards rushing, but if he averages three yards a carry, who cares? Like, he's only getting three yards a carry. Like, that, all those mean something. And with Johnston, he's not great with change of direction, just like Metcalf. He's going to be a guy that's going to need to learn nuance, like, uh, like how to lean and attack leverage. And once he learns how to do those things at a higher level – He's going to be a much more complete receiver, but he's dominant in two areas. One, going deep. He's fantastic. He understands how to win, how to stack, and how to go up and attack the football. And two, he's great with yards after the catch. For a guy that's nearly 6'3 and 215 pounds, he's got very quick, nimble feet, and he can break tackles and evade defenders. If you haven't introduced yourself to Quentin Johnson at all, Go turn on the game against Kansas from this past year. It shows you a little bit of everything that you want with Johnston. It has a really bad rep where he's running a post and is completely oblivious to the safety, and the safety just comes and picks it off like and makes a lot of contact with him. But later on in the season, they play Oklahoma State, and he completely remedied that. He learned from it. He sees the safety and then goes attacks shallow underneath in front of the safety, and you could see that growth, which is why – watching games in concurrent fashion chronologically helps you see growth and evolution with football players. I love Johnson. He is right now my number three player in this class, but I will say and contextualize, I'm probably not watching any offensive linemen because I haven't had time and the Vikings don't need them. So I, I understand and I've seen enough of guys like Skaronsky, Jones, Paris Johnson Jr. to have conversations, but I don't have scouting reports written. It's, that's not yeah, what my yeah. business is right now. Right. Time is getting away. But Johnston is a dude, and I think he can be a number one in, in on offense. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you're a big fan of him for sure, and uh, we're, we're sort of the, the same way because you're scouting very much for the Vikings. I'm scouting very much mm-hmm. for the Falcons. We're not just out here watching 200 guys and putting generic grades. We're evaluating through the lens of what does our team need and, and going from that yeah. route. So, uh yeah, that does, doesn't surprise me, but I, the context is important, of course, as you said. Um, keeping on the offensive side, Bijan Robinson has been a very hot topic for the Falcons because I think they're the first team that has a realistic chance of taking him. Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts on that pick are. Obviously, it's a running back in the top 10, but Bijan's a very unique player. Uh, I think people labeling him as just a running back. Uh, maybe are doing him a little bit of a disservice, but I'm curious what your thoughts on on that potential pairing are. I my dog's biting behind me. Who? Which pairing? <laughs> oh, Bijan and the Falcons. Uh, look, uh, when it comes to 
uh, the Falcons taking B. John Robinson, like people may not want to hear it, but I, I really feel it's inevitable with Arthur Smith trying to attack with a true bell cow running back. And like how much of that Tennessee offense was just him utilizing what he had versus him wanting that. I think you could argue that it's two different things. I think he's going to want a bell cow. I think with the way he wants to run his offense, he would prefer to have that. And Cordero Patterson is not quite that. Neither is Tyler Algier. I think they're both capable running backs. They're not special. Patterson is still special in the return game. Yeah. Like that's one thing he's been great at his entire career. And if you had a Hall of Fame for return guys, Cordell Patterson's in consideration. Uh, but w- when you look at the whole picture, Bijan, Bijan's special. He's got incredible feet. Vision is spectacular. And even though he ran just above a 4-4, I don't like he That's breaks fine. away on tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he breaks away on tape and he's able to make big plays. Now, some people argue, well, he hasn't quite hit the home run. Dude get uh, turns like a 10-yard gain into a 50-yard game. To me, that's a home run. And you don't need to break off 70-yard runs. Like in Jonathan Taylor's first two years, he has like nine touchdowns of like 40 yards or more. Like it's okay. Like you don't like that's a fantastic number, but we're not even talking like one every other game. We're talking like one every four. There's so much more to the running back position and hitting a home run than just going 90 yards for a touchdown. And Bijan can do a little bit of everything. There's a rep against Alabama from earlier this year where he's running a wheel route yeah. and he uh, he has to basically flip his hips and jump, exuding great body control to go leap and catch the football. This dude can be a receiver. If there hasn't been anything close enough to Christian McCaffrey since he came into the league, Bijan might be the closest as far as being a true complete package of being able to do everything at a high level. Right now, I'll have to pull it up. I think he's my number four player in the class as I stalled to um, get my Google sheet open. (laughs) Loading. Right now, he's my number four player in the class, and I've watched all of the top, like the the first-round caliber guys, except for, I think, Kalijah Kansi in the offensive lineman. This is a dude. And if you take him here, I get it. I also get the positional value argument. Like you're not going to create enough surplus value with a running back in the top 10. Like, and that's such a big part of that being able to create a championship contender is being able to get like top end play for not a lot of money. And that's where people always talk about the premium positions, cornerback, offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, wide receiver. If you get a Justin Jefferson at $4 million a year, which is what the Vikings cap it is for him next year. That is a surplus value of like $23 million. Like that is how you're able to make big playoff runs. And that's why it seems like the Chiefs getting seventh round picks and turning them into starting cornerbacks. That's like eight to $10 million in surplus value right there. That's how you are able to take it to the next level. Is getting Bijan at this spot good enough to be able to help this offense? I think he's going to help the offense, but the surplus value is not there. And that's something that the Falcons are really going to have to talk about in the war room because it's, it's a very interesting conundrum. Yeah. Part of me wonders if I, I believe their faith in Desmond Ritter is 100% 
legit. Like, I don't think they're in on quarterback, and maybe we could talk about that next, your thoughts on sort of the quarterback group and what you think the Falcons might do there. But I wonder if they're tempted to go the Bijan route because they believe they've got their quarterback starter in Ritter, and of course they're going to be getting, if he's an average NFL starter, they're getting $20, 25000000 in surplus value on Ritter's contract for the next three seasons. So I wonder if that would potentially make them consider Bijan a little bit more because they know, well, we don't have to maximize this selection. We can get just get what, who, the guy we think is going to move the needle the most for our offense, which, for being honest, could be Bijan uh, at that spot, uh, the guy that, that's potentially going to help them the most. But on that overall discussion also, like, do you believe that it would, that they do believe in Ritter enough to take that sort of step? That, that's a great question, and I, obviously I don't know yeah. um, much about like what the Falcons are thinking in that spot. I, I'll speak in platitudes here because I think uh, the general tone of what you believe is going to determine your outcome. If you believe Ritter has a good chance to be the guy, you keep him and you build around him. If you have questions, and let's let's hypothetically say – you believe Will Levis is the next transcending quarterback. You believe he's going to be a borderline all-pro player, and you think he has that type of ceiling, and you're going to get him there. You take him, and you don't think twice. And I I don't necessarily believe Will Levis is that guy, but Will Levis is probably going to be the guy available for the Falcons at eight if there is one of those top four. If you think he's that guy, you can't say no, unless you know Ritter is already that guy, because – you don't want to say no to a great player because you have a good one on the roster. The Vikings have done it multiple times. They did it with uh, Adrian Peterson in 2007. They signed a free agent running back named Chester Taylor. Had like 1,600 all-purpose yards, 15 touchdowns. Guess what? They drafted Adrian Peterson, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame in about six, seven years. Like, you can't say no to a great one because you have a good one on the roster. And I don't think they'll end up taking a quarterback, so the whole point's kind of moot. But I think you need to really look at it from that lens. What do you think of this guy? And what do you think of the guy who you'd be taking to replace him? You think that much highly of, of the guy in this class? There's really no point in waiting. You uh, in a third round pick on Ritter, who I'll be honest, I did not like very much coming out of Cincinnati. Yeah, you weren't as high he, on him. Yeah, yeah. He was my sixth ring quarterback. I was very out on Ritter compared to the rest of the class. I'll never forget the game he had against Army in 2021. The dude couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And that was a rough I, one. I was, <laughs> probably, oh, his worst, it was, it was, probably his worst game on tape, yeah. It was so bad. Um, I was, I'm just out on him, and obviously last year's quarterback class isn't exactly flush. I was talking about Malik Willis being a top oh, yeah. five pick. Oh, we all know that. Goes. I get rem- <laughs> reminded about every other day, uh, but I'm not out on Malik Willis yet. He, It's year one, but. I, I didn't see enough from Ritter last year just to know for sure, hey, this is my future. This is the guy. Um, but I think they're going to probably roll with it because they saw what happened with Jalen Hurts. It, he showed a little bit early on, but you still had a lot of questions. 2022 came, 2021 came around. He's like, ah, we still have more questions. Let's load up around him. Let's get A.J. Brown. And guess what? <laughs> Almost won the damn Super Bowl. So like, I, I understand the thought process behind keeping him. Personally, I would I would take the quarterback if you believe in that guy. But if you want to help him, getting him more weapons is a really good way to do that. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. 
At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and you, the same argument could be made for Bijan. You know, the Falcons do have Tyler Algier, who was good. He, he broke their rookie record for most rushing yards. Uh and, you know, all, all things like that. And I think he's a good player, but you don't make, you know, if you think Bijan is like, oh, this is going to be a Hall of Fame running back. This is going to be, you know, the best running back in the NFL. You don't pass on him just to make sure that Tyler Algier gets 200 plus carries next year, you know. Um, and I think you can make that argument at a lot of positions uh, for a lot of teams, like you were saying. So um, definitely something good to consider. Yeah, it's it, it. The whole thing's interesting because what they believe at the quarterback position, because and we're talking about this with the Vikings right now. Some people are like, "Oh, just wait for twenty twenty four. Go get Caleb Williams or Drake May." Well, if quarterback needy teams are at one and two, and they don't want to trade, you're shit out of luck. Like you can't just sit and wait on a guy. If you identify a player, you go get him, and you are aggressive in doing so. Um, I, I'm a huge, 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 huge proponent of that. If the Falcons see their guy, they need to go get him. But the like, the most likely options, they keep Ritter and try and continue to build a um, team around him by utilizing uh, great surplus value. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good good call there. And in terms of the other options available at eight, the Falcons have been linked to a lot of cornerbacks. I do wonder if the Okuda thing uh, changes anything there. But what do you, how do you feel about the Christian Gonzalez, Devon Witherspoon uh, debate at at the top there? I think Joey Porter Jr. needs to be in that debate too. And yeah, yeah. I have Porter Jr. as my second ring corner. And I'll say this about the Falcons. Getting Okuda on a one-year rental prove-it kind of deal should not tell yeah. them they sh- they shouldn't take a cornerback. If cornerback's number one on the board for them, you take him. And you don't think twice. Cornerback is such a volatile position. Like A.J. Terrell, like borderline all-pro caliber guy, may suck the rest of his career. It's just that type of position. Uh, remember Xavier Rhodes, 2017, yep. top three cornerback in football. Phenomenal. By 2019, he was basically done. He was already shot, and he was a 2013 first-round pick. Like, you just don't know with these guys, and it's such a um, there's such a mental strain on cornerbacks because you're basically playing to lose the least amount possible. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a very tough position. And the farther away you get from the, the snap of the football – 
the harder your position becomes. So I would I would feel really good about taking a cornerback here. I, Christian Gonzalez is my number one guy. Witherspoon is my number three. But all three of those guys, including Porter Jr., within point three points. So I believe in all of these players as first-round caliber talents. But Gonzalez does a little bit of everything. He can play press. He can play press bail. He can play zone. He can drop. Like He can play off. Whatever you need Gonzalez to do, he can do with great athleticism. Um, his sister is an Olympian. Um, if you remember watching Hard Knocks with the Lions, that his sister is David Blau's wife. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. So it's an incredibly athletic family, and he showed off that athleticism. If I would, I would take Gonzalez over any other corner at this spot. If you are a team that just wants to play a lot of press, like the Vikings, I think would prefer Devin Witherspoon or Joey Porter Jr. because they're going to be playing about fifty percent press man. Like that's just kind of what their defense is based on. For the Falcons, I think Gonzalez is the smarter choice, but you still can't go wrong taking Witherspoon or Porter Jr. They're both great players. I just think you would be using them more out of their comfort zone and what they're truly great at than Gonzalez. And I think you could get a little bit better value considering the defense with Gonzalez. Um, I you can't you should not rule out corner here. No, definitely not. And I, I agree with that take for sure. Um, the other spot most frequently mocked is edge. And this is a very interesting edge group. There's a lot of differing opinions uh, as to who should be in consideration at the top. Obviously, Will Anderson not likely to be on the board uh, at eight, but we could see Tyree Wilson. We could see like Lucas Van Ness. Nolan Smith has been gaining some steam. What do you think about this edge group? And are, are any of those guys uh, top 10 talents that the Falcons should consider at eight if they're there? So... I have a little bit of a different view on the edge group. Tyree Wilson's my top edge, but I also think he might be better playing a J.J. Watt type of role. And I don't say that meaning I think he's J.J. Watt. I think his skill set would be at at his absolute best playing like J.J. Watt or like Eric Armstead. And when you talk about comps, there's multiple ways to do it. I like to do play style. And play style-wise, I think he's best suited as a J.J. Watt type of player. Get him on the inside. Start him as a five technique. Move him on inside on passing downs. Let him use his incredible length. Get off on the football and teach him technique. You can do those things, and you can unlock just an incredible football player. He's got the highest ceiling of this entire group. Will Anderson is not on the level of some of the edges we've seen in the past. The Bosa brothers, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett. He's not there. He's a step below. But he is a very good football player who, quite frankly, has played out of position at Alabama. They asked him to do a lot of four eye, but in yeah. college football, you're using a lot of tight and min fronts where like you have your defensive ends inside, like three, three, five kind of stuff. It's that's not his game. He's capable ish, but he's gonna get washed out in the NFL doing that. You want him as a stand-up edge. In this defense, he's gonna be allowed to do that. I I'm looking at everything. Obviously, you just invested a second-round pick in Arnold Abicady and a third-round pick in one of my favorite players, D'Angelo Malone, in last year's draft class. That shouldn't tell you you shouldn't take an edge. One guy I will pound the table for, because I think he might be better off as like a Calais Campbell understudy than a true um, stand-up edge rusher, Clemson's Miles Murphy. I think he has the type of frame at 6'5 and a half, 272. You could give him 20 more pounds. With his explosiveness, he ran a 4.5240. He's yeah, just absurd yeah. as an athlete, but he's not a bendy guy. 
And I think if you build him up strength-wise, get some really good weight on him his rookie year, by year two, you can have him take over for Calais Campbell. And all of a sudden, you've got yourself a really good five technique for the next 10 years. And I think that might be his best, the, the best way to utilize him. And then you can continue to develop um, Malone, Ebicady. I, I like Ogundeji. Um, he's not a traditional stand-up kind of edge rusher, more of a five technique and an even front. But I, I really liked his game coming out of Notre Dame. Lorenzo Carter it, is fine. Caden Ellis is fine. And you can really develop Murphy because I think having that dominant front, you have Grady Jarrett. You just got David Onyemata from New Orleans. Get Miles Murphy up there and just wreak havoc. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you think he's someone they should consider at eight or maybe as like a trade up later in the draft? It seems like Murphy's stock has cooled off a little bit, but. But I'll say this this class doesn't make any sense. And here's what I mean by that. I I think Miles Murphy could easily go top 10. I think he could fall in the mid-20s. Like This class has the quarterbacks. It's got Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, and then a bunch of I don't know. Yeah. I, the, the value between pick 20 and pick 60 is not going to be that big of a disparity. There's a it, It's a very similar prospect pool. Um, I have been doing uh, tracking of the Vikings first round picks from um, industry leaders since uh, January 1st. I've tracked over 330 mock drafts. We have 53 different players picked to the Vikings at pick 23 or with a trade. 53 different players. And that should tell you a lot about this class. Um, Murphy could easily go at eight, but I think you might be able to get away with the trade down before 15. If I think he gets to the Packers, the Packers yeah, yeah. will take him. He screams Green Bay yeah, Packer. He does. That's they took Rashawn Gary at twelve a few years ago. Uh, that that's just what they do. They take stupid athletes and try to make them football players, and they're they're usually pretty good at it. Yeah. So, like, if you want him, you, I think you probably do a slight trade back from eight, but you might have to take him there if you if you, that's the guy you've identified. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about a lot of names here, but I I know you do a lot of mocks as well. Where do you sort of think the Falcons go generally when you do your mocks? Where where do you sort of see them going ultimately at eight? Well, fun fact, Kevin, I just had a two-round mock drop on (laughs) VikingsWire.com this morning. Um, Before the Jeff Okuda trade, I had them uh, taking Christian Gonzalez. After the Jeff Okuda trade, I actually had them landing Will Anderson at eight. Um, I think, I don't know if he's going to fall that far, but quarterbacks went top four and the Seahawks are going to Seahawk. And I had them taking miles Murphy as the first defensive player <laughs> off the board. Uh, the Seahawks always Seahawk. They, that's just what they do. And I think that they could be enamored with the guy that they see as, Oh, this could be our next Michael Bennett. Um, but just a stupidly better athlete. Um, and Will Anderson at eight, that's a pipe dream. But it's something that I think needs to be considered, especially if quarterbacks infiltrate the top four, because the Lions are almost going to guarantee to take a corner. Yeah. Um, like it's it's a it's a non-zero possibility that Will Anderson gets to eight. It's a unlikely one, but that's I would see add your corner. Um, like I don't think they necessarily need offensive line, but if they fall in love. With a Skaronsky at Paris Johnson Jr., I don't think you can say no to that. Um, 
it's it's a very interesting spot. I also think it's a great trade down spot if a quarterback falls, and I think the Falcons should try and take advantage of getting some extra draft capital. Yeah, yeah, I definitely did a mock. I think it was last week or the week before where they traded down to 11 with the Titans when Will Levis fell uh, to eight. And, you know, they pick up a third out of it. Not like we're not talking huge compensation, uh, but I mean, you move down to 11, you probably get the same guy you were going to take at eight. Um, I mean, they, I I took Bijan at that spot just because people had asked me to do a trade down and asked me to take Bijan in a mock. So I was like, okay, well, you guys get both in one mock. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is the type of class where I think you're going to get really good value with trade downs, especially once you're past like the first couple of guys. But the one guy I think that they'll take without questioning is probably Tyree Wilson. Uh, Cause I just, I mean, you mentioned Calais Campbell understudy. I mean, that would be another guy that would be really good to have Campbell tutor. I mean, they're not the same player, you know, Campbell's definitely much more of that explosive athlete, but another guy with just insane length and measurables uh, who's probably going to play, you know, inside outside role. So I uh, could definitely see them going that route. And I'm sure you'd be happy with that too, considering he's your, your top edge. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I love what Tyree Wilson's game is and uh, putting him behind Campbell, just like with miles Murphy, I think that would be a phenomenal idea because there's a lot less pressure when you don't have to come in and be that dominant force right away. And you're learning from one of the best to ever do it in Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'd be a good one. It'd be a fun one. So Tyler, thank you again so much for coming on, sharing your insights into this draft class. Uh, guys, he is Tyler Fornis at the real Forno uh, managing editor over at the Vikings wire and remind the people uh, what your, your, your show is as well and where else they can find your stuff. Absolutely. Um, as Kevin mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at the real Forno. I've got a lot of irons in the fire. I, I just started my own Viking centric YouTube channel called Vikings first and school. We do a lot of NFL draft content on there. Um, we just uh, did a full first round mock. It's about an hour and a half. It's with uh, um, three really smart NFL draft minds. Um, and I would high recommend you go check it out. Um, it's, it's just honestly a fun discussion between friends who all uh, are incredibly knowledgeable with, th- with this draft class and these prospects um i also uh do features um for various websites i run the vikings wire and i have scouting reports full fully done in 60 different players so you can go check out that's my pin tweet and then you can just click that google sheet and everything's hyperlinked to make it super easy and you can just read all my thoughts on every player that i've scouted and we are at this exact moment 15 days away from the nfl draft and kevin i cannot freaking wait Yep, it's this is this is the best time of year, and unless you win the Super Bowl, uh, I'll grant you that. If you win the Super Bowl, that that takes precedence. But other than that, uh, I think the the draft time, draft season is the best season. So uh, excited to to get there here, and yeah, like you said, just just two weeks away now. We're almost there, guys. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in to Dirty Birds and Brews. I'm your host Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Please like, subscribe on YouTube if you're watching us there. If you're listening to the podcast audio, leave us that five-star review uh, wherever you get your podcast. Really appreciate that, guys. We will be back uh, on Wednesday for another Falcoholic Live at 8 p.m. Eastern. And we'll see you there, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Dirty Birds and Brews. Have a great night, folks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.